Welcome, welcome, welcome to Above Replacement Radio. I am your host, Chris Gianta. I might be becoming a bad baseball fan who can't enjoy the romantic things because of advanced statistics. 15 years from now, I want to be on the early baseball committee. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Kern. I literally have the fan graphs hoodie, the baseball reference t-shirt, just repping some stats, you know what I'm saying? It's not necessarily Hall of Fame. It's not necessarily above average, but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio. We're talking baseball kind of whenever. I'm your host, Christianta, over there across from me, as you cannot see on YouTube, unfortunately, is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, I'm doing very well today. You know, the unfortunately in that intro, you know, the word unfortunately is never a good thing, but it's kind of a good thing for us because we're back in person. Uh, we're back on the campus of Springfield College for our senior year. And this podcast started when we were freshmen, getting ready for the 2019 playoffs, and now we're getting ready for the 2022 playoffs, and also getting ready to graduate in 2023, still having this podcast going strong, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Yeah, I I mean, I say that um, maybe as a compliment to you, because it's like, you can't see Daniel, unfortunately. However, uh, the podcasts are in person, and from now until likely uh, mid-December, and I think that provides a better dynamic for us. It also, the audio quality is going to be much better for uh, people listening on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So we love that. We love uh, having that. And um, our availability is uh, going to be questionable. It's, it's weird because it can, it can be more flexible, but also not in some ways. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll try to fit in uh, as much as we can. But I know... We did miss the second episode of last week because move-in complications, just weird timing was weird. And also, there wasn't too much to talk about in the baseball world. There really wasn't. Really, yeah. It, it is getting that time of year where playoff spots are very well established and <laughs> not a lot of movement. Might be time for a top 10 list pretty soon, <laughs> um, like, we did, uh, like we did last year. Um, but something that has been... So something that's been talked about, I saw a lot of act- activity about it. I mean, anytime um, Shohei Otani does something well, uh, the discussion of his MVP candidacy and potential MV- MVP favoritism comes up. Um, I, I'm seeing a lot of pro Shohei for MVP tweets. Um, what, what do you think? And, 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 you know, it's it's between him and Judge. That's how it's going to be. Uh what what if uh what are you thinking about this whole saga and how it's going to play out for the next month? It's extremely difficult. This is probably the most unique MVP race we've ever seen. I agree. Because last year, you know, you had Shohei doing that, but there was no MVP discussion because it was just Shohei and that was it. Vlad Guerrero Jr. was a distant second. But you now have Aaron Judge who is who has 54 home runs on the season with 27 games left to play for the Yankees, there's a pretty good chance he's going to end up breaking the American League home run record, which was set by Roger Maris in 1961, where he hit 61 home runs. And there's a lot of people that say, like, as long as Shohei stays healthy and does both well, he should get MVP every year. And I think that's a fair argument to make. But if there's once, if there's something you could ever do to possibly unseed that, it would probably be breaking a 60-year record for single-season home runs in the AL. Yeah, I would. Uh, I I think that's a fair a fair thing to say. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's a fair thing to say. And here's what I'll say about this 
uh, American League MVP discussion. I, I have uh, I have two rules for it so far. Well, first rule is a rule for every MVP candidate is basically like uh, I we we need to focus on team success minimally um, because I mean think about it you know obviously Shohei Otani is on a is on a, a team that's I think 18 games below 500 or something like that they've had one of the worst records since um, like the end of May uh, in baseball it's like them Nationals maybe Pirates uh, and then. You know, the Yankees are a first-place team. However, um, the Yankees are – I looked it up. The Yankees are 21-31 and 31 in their last 52. Aaron Judge is the leader in F4 and weighted runs created plus in that span. Uh, he's he So he has 250 weighted runs created plus in this 21-31 and 31 stretch. Next best weighted runs created plus is 181. So he's 69% better than the average hitter in baseball – uh, yeah, <laughs> he's 69% better than the average hitter in baseball, or, or no, 69% better than the next best hitter in baseball, yeah. is what I meant to say. 150% above the average hitter. 150% above the average hitter, and his team is 10 games below 500 in a 52-game span. So that's all I really need to know about team success in an MVP race is, like, you can be really really good and your team can still not be great um so that's my first rule my second rule is let's not compare this year's mvp race to last year's mvp race because i've seen that i i I know that was um one person i took note of was uh ryan spader who um is a guy on twitter i think he's written for like usa today about baseball um he was saying it's ridiculous that, you know, Otani's going to have just as good a year this year as last year, but he's not going to uh, win. He might not win MVP. And he kind of blamed, like, voter fatigue or something. But it's like, no, it's it. you can't compare last year's uh, – Vlad Jr. season to this year's Aaron Judge yeah, season. because Vlad Jr. finished second in the AL MVP last year. Uh, Aaron Judge is Otani's biggest threat to the MVP – and it's not comparable. I mean, just by basic stats, Vlad Guerrero Jr. had a 167 OPS plus last year as a guy who relied mostly on his offense and was kind of a negative defensive producer and not great on the bases. Where So he had a 167 OPS plus. Aaron Judge has a, uh, a 202. Weighted runs created plus at least. Yeah, I think a 204 OPS plus. Uh, with better defense and better base running. Yeah, I mean the only the only thing I don't love about like using a 200 weight runs grid plus slash LPS plus this year, you know, no one's done it in a full season minus the pandemic year since 04 bonds. But like the legal PS this year is 707. Like that's a 21 point drop from where it was last year. So it is a lot easier to accumulate OPS plus. But everyone's in the same boat there. Um, but I do think like if Aaron Judge finishes the season above a 200 OPS plus or weighted runs created plus. I don't know how much the voters are going to take that into consideration, but it's definitely, there's a lot of novelty there. But I, like, I don't know. I feel weird acknowledging it as as such because the league OPS is so far down. Yeah, I mean, I would feel weird about it too, but I'm also, when I'm evaluating Shohei Otani, I'm also using OPS plus. That's true. Uh, because, I mean, his his OPS... His overall OPS is down, uh, over like 
over 65 points from last year, mm-hmm. but his overall OPS plus is down only like six points. Yeah. And that's because, I mean, if you, for those unaware, the, the league wide OPS is at an eight year low. Um, it hasn't been since 2014 that uh, a league, o- league wide OPS has been this low. Um, and so, yeah, obviously Vlad Guerrero juniors, 2021 and Aaron judges 2022 cannot be compared. And, um, so yeah, I, you know, I think the, I think the novelty of Shohei Otani, it's kind of obvious he's promoted pretty well and it, he should be, obviously he's one in a million or one, one, he's one in 22,000. He's one in, he's one in seven and a half billion. If we're talking about the <laughs> earth's population, um, but Aaron judge is also having a generational year. I'm going to give some context to uh, Aaron Judge's year uh, so far. So right now, he's on track to have a 200 OPS plus. Uh, He already has 15 stolen bases. Here are the last players to have a 200 OPS plus or better and 15 stolen bases in a season. So the last one to do it was 1994 Jeff Bagwell. Uh, first of all, that Makes was a, sense. that was a shortened season, season by a strike, um, and it was twenty eight years ago. And he, it was also the it was also the pre steroid era nineties. Yeah, he won he won MVP. Then before that was nineteen ninety three Barry Bonds. He won MVP. Before that was, was nineteen ninety two Barry Bonds, who also won MVP. Who won, and nineteen ninety actually no nineteen ninety Barry Bonds did not have a two hundred OPS plus. Nineteen ninety two Barry Bonds, who won MVP. Nineteen eighty George Brett. <laughs> Who won MVP? Who also got hurt that season? And 1957 Mickey Mantle, who won MVP. All the other players to do that, 200 plus OPS plus and 15 plus stolen bases, are pre-modern MVP uh, MVP voting. And I'm talking about AL and NL players. I didn't include uh, Negro League players into this because they don't really have an MVP system. But so all the other players in the AL slash NL in history to do that were Babe Ruth, Rogers Hornsby, Ty Cobb, Hannes Wagner, and Dan Brothers. Yes. Uh, the only, the only thing is none of them had to face Shohei Otani in MVP voting. Exactly, exactly. So, but I think it should be acknowledged that, like, this isn't your average uh, MVP campaign that Aaron Judge is putting on. Um, it's it's not, you know, your average seven-win season that might win the MVP this is a, a season that is probably going to accumulate 10 wins above replacement-ish or around there. Which hasn't been done since 2018, I believe. Yeah, hasn't been done since 2018. And before that, hadn't been done since, I think, Barry Bonds. Um, so No, didn't Bryce Harper do it in uh, 2015? Do- um, he could. He might have done it in... And on at Fangra. least one website. I, I don't think... But to be honest, I don't think he did it in either. Um, he had 9.7 B war. It's awfully close. Yeah. Because, like, Bryce's Bryce's season in 2015 was, like, pretty universally agreed upon at the time as the best season since Bonds. Yeah. Uh, and he had and 9.3 so. on. Yeah, so he didn't do it, but he was very close. Yeah. And, you know, like, there, you know, there's, there's a big reason why Aaron Judge has a lot of uh, MVP validation. And... It sucks that one of them is not going to be able to win MVP. Yeah. Um, well, 
what are some more thoughts on uh, on this? I have a few. Um, this is not necessarily related to MVP talk, but um, I just I just have an appreciation for stuff I've seen on Twitter where um, all these like all these accounts have been tweeting stuff like, if Aaron Judge hits sixty two home runs, would you recognize that as the as the all time home run record because he passes Roger Maris? And everyone answers it like the other person's five years old, where it's like. The all-time home run record is Barry Bonds, who hit 73 home runs in 2001. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I saw... MLB Now just tweeted it. Yeah. Which is very much not a boomer account. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But, I mean, um, I feel like even if... It, it really is an age thing where, like, sure, like, Brian Ke- Kenny is, in, into an, is into advanced statistics, but I feel like no matter what, if you're older, you're more, like, less likely to forgive the steroid era. Yeah. Even if you're into advanced statistics, because I think there's separate issues. Um, so yeah. And also, so, so yeah, for context, uh, Shohei Otani, I think has a 151 OPS plus and, and a 144 ERA plus, I believe. I think 156 maybe ERA plus. Yeah. Um, that's unbelievable. He's been much better as a pitcher this year than he was last year. And he's, kind of dropped off a little bit as a hitter, which I feel like kind of evens out the two seasons, right? Like yes. 2021 Shohei is not that much different from 2022 Shohei. I mean, you know, 2021 Shohei was remembered as one of the best hitters in the league. He probably could have been in the MVP discussion even if he was just a hitter. Uh, I don't know if he would have beat Vlad Jr. just on offense alone, but you add in the fact that he pitched like 130 innings and yeah, 130.1 innings had a... a one point one forty two ERA, a three point five two FIP. This year, he might qualify for the ERA title. Yeah. So we, as a pitcher, Shohei Otani is going to have. He already has a higher workload. Yeah, he's already got one hundred thirty six innings pitched. That leaves him what twenty six innings away. Um. Yes. And you figure he's got three more starts left in him. Um. Right. Yeah. Uh. Well. It might be tough. No, he's definitely got more than three. The okay. Angel Angels have. Well, I know I know the Yankees have 27 games remaining because I I looked it up for a stat. So I imagine yeah. the Angels have at least 25, which that could be five starts. Which uh, well, they usually they don't they don't use him in the traditional like five man rotation system. Like he does get a little more off to off time. That's true. So maybe four. Yeah. Okay. Let's say four. Let's say he gets four more starts. He's got to average like six innings a start to get there, which he realistically can do. Yeah, um, a little over six. And as someone who has, I know that this is kind of a lame uh, analysis, but like as someone who has checked into every Shohei Otani start this year for reasons of, uh, you know, competitive nature, owning him on a fantasy team. Yeah. Uh, every single time I look at him, it's pure dominance. Like I'll, like I'll be like, oh wait, like you know, it'll be so like the game will start at ten ten. It'll be ten forty. I'll be like, oh wait, how's Shohei done? And I'll just real quick see two innings pitch, no hits, no runs, four strikeouts, zero walks, no home runs. I'm like, okay, yeah, it's Shohei. Yeah. <laughs> Every single time without fail, except for when he faced the Tigers in Detroit that one time. But that was it. That's literally one bad start throughout the year. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, that shows in his fielding independent pitching, which mm-hmm. has gone down about a full run. Which is nuts. Yeah, it's it's two five four, And his uh, ERA is only four points off. Like his, his uh, strikeouts per nine – uh, leads all of Major League all Baseball. All of Major League Baseball, 12.0. Yeah. And his walks per nine is 2.2, which is down 0.8 from where it was last year, which is excellent. Yeah. So, like, that's why this conversation is so hard because it's like, 
it's so hard. It, you can't you can't ignore either side. Like it's like oh, Aaron Judge, he's gonna have maybe like sixty two, sixty three home runs and mm-hmm. a two hundred OPS plus along with a neutral defense and solid mm-hmm. base running. But then you have this guy who leads in strikeouts per nine, has a two five four FIP, and then is an everyday hitter who's fifty percent above average as a hitter. So <laughs> yeah. And also, like, one thing to take into note is that, so Aaron Judge currently is 8.9 FOR, Shohei Otani is at 7.9 when you combine his pitching and hitting, so you'd think that that automatically means Judge has been a full win better, but, like, F, like War does not take into account the fact that he takes up two roster spots as one person. Yeah. Like, that is, like, when you're talking about value, you know, there's a lot of talk about what the V means to someone in MVP. Being able to take up two roster spots, or being able to be one roster spot while performing is two, and doing it in such a way where you're one of the best in the league at both, is, like I said, it's something that we've never seen before. Like, Babe Ruth never did this. I don't care. People can make the comparisons. Babe Ruth never did this. Nobody ever did this. Exactly. At least in the live ball era, no one did this. Right. Yeah, and I mean, anytime the Babe Ruth uh, comparison is thrown out. They never use league-adjusted league No, statistics. it's always it's always like, oh, Babe Ruth had a 3.13 ERA. It's like, yeah, the league ERA yeah. was 2.9. Yeah, he was below average as a pitcher. Yeah. You're, you're not understanding that. Um, <laughs> yeah, look at ERA plus one time. Please. Um, <laughs> so, so, yeah, like, yeah, he no one's, no one's doing this. And, yeah, I mean, there's obvious value shown in that, like, oh, he's your ace and – also, your most cons- most consistent hitter in the lineup. There's a if you you know if you go on like the the team website that'll show like the basic leaders and statistics like the leader in hits, the leader in runs scored, home runs, and then also like wins ERA. Shohei leads all of them for the Angels except for saves. Yep. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, one last quick thing I wanted to say, Chris. This is something that you like to mention with Shohei, and I don't know if you had it like queued up or not, but uh, batter pitcher interactions. Right. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Aaron Judge has 577 this year. Obviously, all of them as a as a hitter facing a pitcher. Shohei has 1,103. Yeah, that's insane. <laughs> like, 11, like, you faced 1,100 opponents this year, essentially, in, you know, in piece by, in batter by batter, pitcher by pitcher interactions. And to have done both that consistently great... Great. Yeah, great. 50%, not, not pretty good. 50% like, above average in both is great. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that is something. And, yeah, it's not something the, – the whole thing of uh, taking up two roster spots, obviously that can't be accounted in wins above replacement. But uh, also, like, no matter what, you have to, you know, you have to acknowledge how amazing – how amazing both seasons have been and the fact that they're happening at the same time is uh is pretty crazy and unlucky for whoever won't win the the one you know we do say like take team like take team very minimally like the team that they're on but especially right now you do got to wonder where the yankees would be without aaron judge because they've right. had this horrific slide where their division lead has shrunk by 10 games. Uh, you know, they went from being on pace to compete with the 116 win Mariners to just fighting for the division and likely not even going to win 100 games at this point. Yeah. And you mentioned during that stretch where Aaron Judge has a 250 OPS plus, they're still 10 games over 500 
or ton camps under 500. So, like, part of you does got to wonder. I mean, obviously, I'd still take this minimally because obviously neither neither player can control the team they're on and the rest of the guys there. But where would the Yankees be without Aaron Judge right now? Yeah, and I mean... Like, they would be, like, maybe a playoff team. Maybe a playoff, yeah. And if you if you go with... If you use... If you take the wins above replacement literally and you go with fan graphs, mm-hmm. you take away nine wins from the Yankees. They're four back in the division right now. Yep, and, and they're... they're I don't even think they're a wild card team at that point. Um, they're definitely not because actually they might be. They might be the third wild card at best. Well, they have 81, 81 wins now. So they're, they're, they would be uh, seventy two and uh, seventy two and fifty four plus nine sixty three. Yeah. Yeah, they'd be out of it. <laughs> but at the same time, where would the Angels be without Otani? They would be in the same place, but so much worse. That's exactly what I'm gonna say. Is like. With with these MVP discussions, yeah, like like it's not fair that Aaron we, Judge was on a team that was sixty one and twenty nine or whatever it was. Like we can agree that both teams would be so much worse off with their yeah without and, this guy. And there's a chance that we might get to see both of those scenarios play out over the next couple of years. One of them is an impending free agent this year. One of them is next year. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. As of right now, right. And I mean, how I would say if if Judge was on the Angels and Otani was on the Yankees, the Yankees and Angels would probably be in similar situations mm. to what they are now. Um, but that could also be a team by team thing because, I mean, you look at the Yankees pitching depth, right? Yeah. Like especially after Cole, you know, Jamison Tyon has struggled recently. Nestor Cortez went on the IL. Jordan Montgomery got traded. Um, like all of their guys behind Cole have struggled in some way. Frankie Montas has been inconsistent. Uh, they had, what was it? Who else did they have? Domingo Herman's in there right now. He's actually been doing okay, but he was not uh, in that rotation at the beginning of the year. You have Luis Severino go on the 60-day IL. Like, yeah. If you had a, you know, if you replace, you get a lesser judge, like offensively, but you get another pitcher, that puts him in a pretty good spot. If you take away Otani from the Angels, that takes away a lot of their pitching depth. Sure, they have a better bat in the offense, but how much can you really account for it when there's yeah, there's more True. runs being given up? And it's a team-by-team team thing. Like That's another thing that I, neither player can control. Like mm-hmm. You can't blame Shohei for the fact that if he was not on the Angels, they would have no pitching except for Patrick Sandoval. Right, right. That's, that's, where, that's where the whole thing of... Uh, <laughs> of why every day I wish this was the best player award mm-hmm. and not the most valuable but player award. But even then, award. it would still be very difficult to... Well, yeah, it, but value mm-hmm. makes this whole thing so much more difficult. It does. It's very Absolutely. confusing. So do we want to finish off with what we think should and what we think will happen? Um, yeah, I mean, I, st- I still don't because know what I think should the, happen. The tru- the, I would say the truth is, at this point... Obviously, there's four weeks left in the season, and anything can happen from now until then. But right now, I don't think there's a wrong answer between the two of them. Yeah, I agree. I because agree. I think if Aaron Judge wins it, it's like, yeah, you know what? Let's let's just say he does. Yeah, he broke the AL home run record. Like, what? Like, that's what it's gonna take to unseed that. And if Shohei does it, it's like, yeah, he's doing. He's still doing something that no one's done in the history of baseball. 
Yeah, and and let's also mention with the Aaron with Aaron Judge if he breaks the home run record, that's not an empty thing. He also is yeah. hitting 300. He has an OBP above 400, so he's getting on base at an elite race at, at an elite rate. And he's, he had to adjust to play center field this year and, from and right field. Yeah, and he's slugging homers like crazy, and he's providing, uh, according to the statistics, neutral defense, which is more than you know what Otani is pr- providing. You know he's a DH, which you know I mean that's a whole different conversation. Mm-hmm. And positive base running, according to BSR, Judge has one point two BSR. Otani has minus point one. Yeah, Otani, uh, he's fell in the base running department, which I know is a little more minor, but uh, just to establish that um so yeah like there's a great chase great case for judge obviously there's a a great case for otani i mean 11 over 1100 pitcher batter interactions uh and being 50 percent above average at both according to ops plus and era plus and also fip i mean his fip would be 50 percent above average at least his fip is ridiculous his fip is crazy i mean Strikeout, walk, home run numbers are all great for Shohei Otani. Um, it's a uh, it's it's a conversation that will be happening, and unless one of them falls off, or one of them just completely takes over. Do you think if Aaron Judge does not get to sixty one, there's no contest? Um, because I feel like there is like especially with the writers, there's going to be a, a lot of novelty in he broke a sixty year record. But if he doesn't do that, do we even bother having a conversation at the end of the year? Which it's very likely that he does at this point. He's he's got fifty four home runs. He's hit one in the last three games. You know, he's on a hot streak right now and there's what, twenty games left to play? Like yeah. it's probably likely. I don't know. I think he's on pace for like sixty three, sixty four right now. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking about um I'm thinking about what that would imply statistically. Um, like, let's say he still has, like, a 972 OPS to finish the season, but he has six se- home runs. 972? Oh, 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 like, throughout, for, for the OPS rest. OPS plus. Yeah, yeah, from for the rest of this, from here on yeah. out. But, like, he walks a lot. He gets a lot of doubles. He hits six home runs. That would put him at 60. Yeah. So, that's what I was about to say is what, so what do the six home like, runs Like, he's apply? still, it's not like he, you know, he crashes and burns and has a negative weighted runs created plus from here on out like he still performs like a really solid bat ends the season with like i don't know let's say a 1075 ops Mm -hmm. and he gets to 60 home runs and stops there yeah uh so yeah so if if he's getting if he if he gets six home runs that means he's getting a home run and he plays every single yankees game which i don't know if that'll happen but uh, that would mean he gets a. I did just did the math. That would one mean every he, four games. He gets one every four and a half games. Yeah. At this pace right now, he's getting one every two and a half games. Uh, so that would mean that he's bare, like slightly fallen off. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if if the average and on base rates stay about the same, strikeout walk rates stay the same. Yeah, it would be, it would be. A very very slight regression, and if Otani keeps his pace, yeah, I mean, um, I think there is also pressure with with the writers to n- not be labeled with getting like voter fatigue, also, because mm-hmm. I feel like they're getting called out a little bit right now, even though nothing. Even happened. though, even though nobody is, yeah, no BBWAA writer is speaking their mind about about this right now. Really. I don't even think they're allowed to. Yeah, exactly. Like they literally tell you, like, hey, you have this award. 
you're not going to say a word about it until the results come out. Yes. Like, that starts now. Yes. Because yes. They, they find that out, like, middle of the season. Uh, yeah, yeah. I know. I mean, we have been in contact with someone who voted on AL Manager of the Year last year, and he knew about that before, like, August. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, we're in, we're in the first week of September right now. Yeah, and you'll always hear, like, if I had a vote, I would go with this. And the opinions always change, and I think it's going to be very close. I ultimately do think Otani's going to end up with it. Yeah. Uh, because that's just, a, that's just a tough thing to turn down. Right. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, uh, but man, judge. But the thing with Otani is he can have he can have a blow up start, and it could change things. I was gonna say he, but that also whereas like it, it would take Aaron Judge a bad five six games, yeah, to change that. And it would have to be a bad like if it's five six games, it would have to be bad bad. Yes, like it would have to be like below one fifty average with no extra base hits. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah, it's an interesting conversation, and I mean, I know it's bad radio, but none of us have a, not, neither of us have a firm opinion on it right now, um, because it's it's a very open-ended discussion. We're not comparing position player to position player. We're not comparing pitcher to pitcher. It's, you know, a, it's a, it's an extremely complex conversation because yeah. it's we're comparing ridiculous hitter to great pitcher, great hitter, and also it's it's ridiculous. Mm hitter with you know contributions on defense and good base running Mm -hmm. versus starting pitcher slash dh no contribution on defense neutral base running but very good at hitting and pitching versus Mm -hmm. an amazing hitter um so like cy young caliber pitcher borderline like because of the innings i don't think he's gonna get much recognition i mean he could get cy young votes he's gonna get cy young votes i think he should get cy young votes yeah, especially considering. Um, now, did he get any last year? Some decrease in competition. No, no, he didn't. I don't think. From what? I, oh yeah, I have his. Thing I don't up. think he did. No, he didn't. Yeah. He got because yeah, in the which awards, makes sense. He only threw one hundred thirty innings. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this year, very realistic that he could. Yes. He has four point four wins above replacement as a pitcher on FN graphs. That means FIP. Yes, that's and he true. does qualify, I believe, right now. No, he does not. Oh, he does. He's seventh. Well, yeah, the, yeah. seventh in the majors, one, two, three, third in the AL. Although I don't think Kevin Gosman's gonna get much recognition for Cy Young, even though he probably should. Yeah, yeah. His he's had a poor guy. Great. It's a, it's been a really interesting year from him. Dude has a three sixty eight BABIP, and he has like a three like sixty BABIP on like ground balls as well. Yeah, yeah, like, he's had bad luck on ground balls, but, like, he also gives up a lot of line drives and, mm-hmm. like, I think above average barrel rate, but, like, he, it's almost like he's getting lucky. He, he's getting sort of lucky on his outs, but unlucky on his hits sometimes. Yep. <laughs> which is weird, just a weird combo. But, yeah, it's weird. 312 ERA, 217 FIP. Uh, Dylan Cease currently with the Verlander injury and the McClanahan injury. Probably might be the front runner for Cy Young right now? Question mark in the American League. Two thirteen ERA, three oh two FIP. Uh, better expected ERA than uh, better FIP expected also. ERA. Well, he's a yeah two sixty two. You're right, and a point eight one home runs per nine, two fifty six BABIP against. 
which would be pretty sick because that was my Cy Young pick and your Cy Young pick. Yeah, collectively. Who is your NL Cy Young? Uh, Burns. Oops. <laughs> well, you know, it, it, yeah. it didn't flop, but it's like considering his expectations. It, it I was going to say, it's a big regression year, even though it's a pretty good year. Yeah. Like it's still an ace year. Exactly. 302 ERA. Already more innings pitched than last year. Um. Yeah, yeah. Actually, that's not true. He's two away. Never mind. But, yeah, he's definitely going to uh, eclipse that. Because um, last year he had an IL stint, I remember. Yes, he did. Um, all right. So, so yeah. that we'll hold, we'll hold off on more Judge Otani dialogue for now. You can really talk about it all day. Yeah, and we'll, we will be talking about it again yeah. on several different occasions, including in November, after November... But yeah. I don't know. I feel like part of me feels like if we give it to if they give it to Judge in like ten years, Otani's peak is gonna be over and we're gonna be like, Man, why didn't he get an MVP every year? Right. Like that that is what I fear. But also like, it's he, like, like maybe like we might just forget about that Aaron Judge year, especially if let's say he has kind of an Albert Pujols situation go down where he signs a big contract in his thirties. And then regresses pretty deeply, which I'm not saying that's going to happen, but like that's a scenario. Yeah, but it also could add to the legacy because when people talk about Mike Trout early mm-hmm. in his career, you know, he 2012, people are like, it took Miguel Cabrera winning the Triple Crown mm-hmm. to for him not to win the MVP at 20 years old. Like we could we could look back and say it took the American League home run record being broken for Shohei Otani not to win uh, MVP. Which I think it should take that. Yes. Because, I mean, like I said, if he hits 60 and and they still give it the judge, I feel like that leaves a pretty bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. Like, I do. I think I I stand pretty firmly on the stance that judge has to at least tie the home run record to be considered for MVP. Which I think he's going to do that. It's very likely at this point, you know, as long as he stays on his pace. But there's going to be a lot of novelty in the fact that he breaks the record when people vote for MVP. Yes, very true. Especially when, um, like, you know, Roger Maris, obviously he won MVP of the year. He broke the record. And, I mean, if you look back at the statistics from that year, you could... Mickey Mantle objectively had a better year than Roger Maris <laughs> yeah. that year because uh, he, he had a much better on-base percentage. I think he even had a better slugging percentage. <laughs> it's just that he he had seven less home runs than, uh, than, same Roger, with the, uh, than same Roger Maris. With, same with the year that uh, Joe DiMaggio had his hit streak. Oh, yeah. With well, Ted big Williams. Time. Well, the hilarious thing about that, if you don't know, Ted Williams had a better average during Joe DiMaggio's hit streak than Joe DiMaggio did. Yes. Um, which is... Uh, that was, what, 41? Uh, 1941, yes. Yeah, because that was, was, that was also the year that Williams hit 406, was it not? Yeah, he hit 406. He yeah. He hit 1287 OPS. Wild, wild. Um, but even, I mean, you know, DiMaggio, I think DiMaggio still had, like, a nine-win season, so it's Yeah, like, but, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's still a good, a really good, like, that yeah. right around where Judge's season was, but Williams had a 10.4-win season. Exactly. And, and, uh, and a two... 1287 OPS. Yeah, what was his OPS plus? Uh, please hold. 250s or no, not 250 something. Like 235. Yes. 235. Yeah. Heck of a job, Chris. 
Yeah. Well, you know, it, I think the single seasons draft popped that into my head. That's fair. Um, shout out to episode 200 if you haven't listened. Um, all right. Well, now that we're done with highlighting the arguably two best players in baseball, um, we'll uh, go a little deeper, um, talk about players to highlight, players that are... Wait, can we talk about... Uh, we haven't talked about the Timmy Trumpet appearance yet. Oh, right. Yeah. That was that was so cool. Yep. Yep. That's... I mean... That's 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 great for baseball. It's great for baseball. Um, part of me needs the Mets in the World Series for that, or just like a big like a a goer like a winner go home playoff game. Yeah. Like the like honestly, if the Braves win the division and the Mets host the wild card series over the five seed, like you're tuning in for that. Yes. For that ninth inning. Yes. I mean, yeah. There's there's never. You, yeah. There's never been this much just. Uh, like this much. I I don't know how to say it. Like, mm-hmm. there's never just been this much uh, energy, energy or like um, present. There's never been this great of a presentation for a guy throwing an inning. Yeah. Ever. Like you know, Mariano Rivera will always have Enter Sandman, but he he, he Metallica never performed live for uh <laughs> for Mar for Mariano Rivera. Um. It's it's pretty crazy, and I mean, um, what the we've what we've been talking about the entirety of this uh, podcast is, you know, the MLB has always kind of lacked in personalization and promoting the players, and this is an unbelievable way to do it. Um, it's it's absolutely fantastic. I mean, it, it's very parallel to boxing, MMA, uh, pro wrestling, which are individual. I mean, Mm -hmm. I know pro wrestling is not a sport, but individual quote unquote sports, individual entrances. Yes. And you know, if for pro wrestling fans, you'll always associate John Cena with the, you know, with the John Cena song and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the undertaker with the, uh, with the undertaker song. And it's been, I know that was Hansel Robles uh, intro song actually. Um, and you'll, yeah, you'll always associate CM Punk with cult of personality. You're always going to associate Edwin Diaz with narco, with, with narco, um, no matter where he goes in his career and, and these types of moments. So, I mean, it's a great promotion of the game and Edwin Diaz and the Mets. It's great. Yeah. I mean, it's also cool that it's funny because Edwin Diaz has had that song since he was in Seattle Yeah, and nobody cared until he was putting on one of the greatest reliever seasons of all time. Yep. Striking out 17 guys per nine. Literally. But not only that, but, like, in that game in particular, Turner, Freeman, Will Smith. Yes. Yeah, literally. One, two, three. The timing of it was crazy, too, because this Timmy Trumpet decides to show up when... The Dodgers are in town. The Dodgers who are in town, they're on pace for, like, 112 wins. They're the only team in the National League that's definitively better than the Mets. Yes. And... It's a one-run ball game. <laughs> yeah, that's a huge... And not only that, but the Mets have dropped the first game of the series, too. Yeah. Like, they were trying to... You know, they're still trying to win that series. Like, that... 
with that with or without Timmy Trumpet, that's a huge moment. Degrom started that game. Yeah, it was funny because Brandon I Nimmo, uh, already robbed a home broke, run. Robbed a home run. Yeah, it was funny. So Timmy Trumpet was there the first game that they dropped Diaz didn't pitch and he came back and basically like he was just going to keep coming back until he got to play Edwin <laughs> Diaz on. Yeah. Buck Walter would have put him out there in a seven run game eventually. Yeah. Right. It's just right. like, please, please just, we got to do it. Yeah. But it's garbage time against the pirates. <laughs> DeGrom was starting that game and he was, you know, doing his DeGrom thing. I was like, man, what if DeGrom does too well that he, that he goes the distance <laughs> and pitches nine. Yeah. <laughs> Like, uh, like, I need him to work in a couple base hits, a couple walks here and there. Yeah. <laughs> and he ended up throwing, getting seven. And, yep. man, it, the eighth inning with Adam Adovino, never been more stressed than an eighth inning in my life. Yeah. It's like, I need the Mets to maintain a lead here. But then I also need them to not score an outrageous amount of runs in the eighth. Right, right. <laughs> um, yeah, and I got to watch it live on SNY. Um, I love that, like, they make their they make Diaz's entrance on TV like a cinematic masterpiece. Like, yes. they change the aspect ratio. Right. Yeah. Like, they, they don't go to commercial for that, which is dope. SNY has some cool tricks up their sleeve. They do. They have those, in, those like... The uh, overlay camera angle. The over, yeah, the overlay camera angle. It lo- makes it look like it's a movie, which is fantastic. Yeah. The more you do that, the better. Um, Dude, uh, Timmy Trumpet had never been to a baseball game in his life, by the way. I don't yep. know if you saw that. And right. dude was just having the time of his life out there at City Field, just on the field. He was riding his trumpet like a horse. Yeah. He started I, playing it like a guitar at one point. Yeah, you got like 45,000 people there. <laughs> it's funny because every team is being like, oh, there's so many baseball teams being like, every team needs to get like a franchise closer now and do that. It's like, you have to pack the house for something like that. Like, you can't be doing that in a 15,000 person crowd in Oakland. Yeah. No. Like, it, it doesn't work like that. Right, yeah. And even that, 15000 is generous for Oakland. Exactly, exactly. Like, I'm tr- <laughs> I'm trying to think of, like, it's like, oh, oh, the, the national, they're fu- they're bringing out Brandon Finnegan. <laughs> 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 they got, <laughs> like, yeah, you, you need, this wouldn't have worked in any other situation. No. This wouldn't have worked with, even if the Mets were in second place, it would have been like, oh, it's still a second yeah. place team. Like, not everyone can have that. Like, yeah. you, like you know, many closers can still have cool entrances. And I, I think a lot of teams are doing a good job. Like, you know, Felix Batista with the Orioles. Yeah. Uh, they have Omar's whistle from the wire yep. play. And then they do, like, they mess with the lights in the stadium. Yeah, like, that's and it's cool. Like, oh, yeah, O Fortuna, the old, like, <laughs> that, yeah. uh, that, like, uh, gospel song or whatever. Yep. Um, and then the Mariners started doing like a light show with Paul Seawald, I think. Yeah. Which was cool. And, and it, like every team can, I think most teams can make like a big thing of their closer entrances, but like for it to get attention, like you got to pack the house and have 45,000 people there. Yeah. I mean, for a thing like that, it had to be a first place team. It had to be probably a big market team like the Mets. Mm-hmm. It had to be not only like a top to maybe best reliever in baseball, but also the guy who strikes out the most guys. And also going up against 2-3-4 on the best lineup in baseball. Exactly. Like, And a guy who throws, who averages about 98 on his fastball. Mm-hmm. Like you can't With have, movement. Like, you, could, you can't have, like, uh, like I, I don't know, I forget, like, low-velocity closers, but, like, <laughs> I, I remember... Mark Jim, Melanson? Yeah, like, you can't have Mark Melanson out there with the with the trumpets going off. It's like, <laughs> oh, he's about, there's about to be such soft contact here. 
<laughs> like, no, you need swings and misses. No, no, no. You have to have the vibe of, like, your nightmares in that bullpen. Yes, yes. <laughs> and he wants to kill you. Right, right. And Felix Bautista plays that well because he throws over 100. I need, you know what I need? Now that we're on the, I'm sorry to cut you off, but, like, now that I mentioned Mark Melanson, I need someone to make, like, a remix of him saying, we need your energy. <laughs> and have that play at Chase Field. We need your energy. <laughs> if you're listening to this, please find that video. Uh, if you can't find it, if you go to Mark Melanson's Twitter account and scroll down to October of 2019, there's a yeah. video of him saying like seven times, we need your energy. Let's go Game 5 NLDS. Let's go Atlanta. We need that loud energy. Yeah, and it's In the most calm voice ever. It's four different camera cuts, but yes. it's in two different places. So yeah. he does it in the in the, the locker walk- room. He does it in the walkway to the locker room, and it's like we need your energy, and then he cuts it. But he's still in the walkway to the locker room, and he, and it's and it's the same like angle of him too. Like it's not like he changed his like he didn't yeah. change the camera around. Like it's just the same shot of him. Yeah, and and you can clearly see when you like hit record, and it's like oh, he, like he sees like oh, I hit recording. We need your energy. Yeah. And then it goes to the clubhouse, and it's like, oh, it's a new setting. And then it's another cut, and it's like, oh, we're still in the clubhouse. We're still at your locker. And he's saying the same thing, yeah. too. Yep, yep. It's, it's 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 even more beautiful with the fact that they went on to give up 10 runs in the first inning. It was so funny. <laughs> Every time I see him enter a game, like on a national stage, like I remember in 2021, he was in the All-Star game for the Padres. The second he walked out of the bullpen, it was on my Twitter timeline like three times. Just... We need your energy. <laughs> Come on, let's go. <laughs> we need that loud energy. Energy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, it's... Someone needs to make a remix of Mark Melanson saying that, and he's got to use it for his entrance, unfortunately. That was a that was a gift from the baseball gods, that video. <laughs> That's You know what's funny? Mark Melanson is probably going to get 10 years of service time. He probably already has 10 years of service time. Like he had a, uh, yeah, he, has, he had an incredible he was career. He traded to the Sox in in 2012. So yeah, he yeah. has 11 careers, 11 years of service time. He had an unbelievable year with the Pirates in like 2015 to 17 with various different teams at that point. But he got like a nice big contract with the Giants. Yeah, he had a so listen to this from 2013 to 15, he pitched 218 innings, had a 200 ERA plus. That was good for a 185 ERA. Like, he had a legit peak. Like, he was a top five closer in the game. Undisputed. He had 51 saves in 2015, led the majors. And what's he going to be remembered for? Yeah. <laughs> we, need, we need your energy. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. It, it's, 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 uh, he gets. He was eighth in the Cy Young voting in 2015. Yeah, I'll say it again. A gift from the baseball gods that, yeah. that ever happened. It's you know one six four FIP in 2013 and 71 innings pitched. Yeah, one home run allowed in 71 innings. Yeah, and that was the thing where like you know we're both Red Sox fans and he was atrocious for the 2012 Red Sox and <laughs> then to up, see him he gave up the longest home run ever to Josh Hamilton. And then, and then to see him go, and I mean, the Red Sox did get Brock Holt out of that Mark Melanson trade, but still, it was, you know, like uh, to see him go on and and just be the best reliever in baseball after leaving. Yep. Uh, after after an atrocious stretch with the Red Sox, that's always a stinger. 
Yeah, but hey, I mean, the Red Sox had a pretty good closer in 2013. Yeah, and it was not <laughs> the closer they traded for. That closer had a cool entrance. Oh, yeah. Oh, Sandstorm. I'll never forget. Yeah. yeah. It's really, really good. Um, Koji had a good entrance. Um, I've noticed like a lot of debate in who has the best closer entrances, and I think that people rely way too heavily on how good the closer was. True. True. Like people that just people just stick to Mariano Rivera, which Entrance Sandman was a great entrance. You know, it was iconic obviously, but you gotta forget about how good the pitcher was and think about how good the entrance is because Yeah. Man, the Edwin Diaz entrance, like it's tough to beat. It is. It is. I mean, uh, but some of the some of these guys just had good t- like Tr- Trevor Hoffman c- came in Hell's, Hell's Bells. Bells. And that was a that was an iconic one. Yeah, like I mean, uh, it's not hard to to tell that that's a great entrance, but I mean, yeah, was, who is it? Um, Eric Gagne had Welcome to the Jungle. Yeah, I mean that's just a great Code great great jock jams. John, Jonathan Papelbon had Shipping Up to Boston. I bet which they play anyway, don't they? Um, well. It used to be, I think it used to just be for Papelbon, and now it's anytime the Red Sox are down in the ninth, yeah, in the bottom of the ninth, which has been. Did did they play frequent. it? Did they play it during the twenty eight to five game? <laughs> I forget. <laughs> that would have been extremely funny. I forget. They probably did because it's just protocol, right? But man, I would love to have been there at the time. Like, forget Sweet Caroline, down yeah. twenty eight to five. I gotta see shipping up to Boston with three yeah. outs to go in the ninth. Well, they. They're playing highlights on the big screen. It's like yeah. big comeback can happen. We can walk <laughs> it off here with a, just a simple twenty-four run inning. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I forget. I forget. They had to all be laughing like in the PA box. Yeah, like this team. Yeah, it's like ah, oh, we're gonna we're gonna. Play. Oh, here we go. Here comes the comeback. <laughs> oh, get on your feet, Fenway. It's ninth inning time. The Red Sox need to come from behind in this one. <laughs> here's shipping up to Boston. Yeah. By the dropkick Murphys. Here's a here's a video of Xander Bogarts hitting an RBI single. We got it. Here's Devers celebrating. Devers cel. Oh, this is this is a time they walked off and guys guys getting water thrown on yeah. them. Oh, we could be having that. Yeah. Just just you wait. Just you wait. Um. Yeah, um, thing things funny things can happen at at Fenway Park. Um, so anyway, uh, let's get into uh the the part we've most prepared for, uh, talking players or subjects that have been uh exceeding expectations or uh significantly underperforming. Um, for and we'll start with our Tuesday, September sixth. 2022 edition of um who do you have for us today so this is a big day for how about that because we are in fact coming to the finish line here i am crossing off the one last team that we have not done yet i'm talking about nick lodolo yeah of the cincinnati reds you thought i was going with someone else and i know exactly who i there there were two candidates yeah yeah nick lodolo over his last four starts he ranks tied for fourth in the majors in F4 with 0.9. He has a 2.49 ERA and a 2.68 FIP. And during the span, 58.3% of his batted balls have been 0 degrees or lower or 45 degrees or higher. Ah. 58.3% of his batted balls. 
That is the that is tied for the third highest among the 86 pitchers with at least 50 batted balls given up, and is tied for 10th highest among the 190 pitchers with at least 25 batted balls against. Uh, he's utilized his sinker in a really interesting way during this span. So he has thrown 82 sinkers in game day zone 12, which if you don't know, that would mean it's not in the strike zone, high and high and in to lefties, high and out to righties. So that corner, he's thrown 82 sinkers in that zone. That's the most in the majors. Only Sean Manaya has thrown more than 50 of such pitches. He's at 81 right behind him. And despite frequently throwing a pitch out of the strike zone, he has a 312 Woba on said pitches. The league average is 374 on those pitches. So he's making success of it. And he also has a chase rate of 37%, which is about 15 points above the league average, and a whiff rate of 11% which is four and a half points above the league average. And unfortunately, I don't have it pulled up right now, but yesterday I, I had a span finder stat where over, I think he's one of five Reds pitchers over a four-game span with at least 25 innings pitch to have a strikeout rate of 27% and a whip below 850. Hmm. Yeah, it's a lot. Oh, Reds pitchers under 24. I should mention yep. that. Yep. 24 or younger. Um. Yeah, Nick Lodolo. Um, yeah, the other nominees, um, well, one nominee, I, I definitely won't go in with the future. I'll save the other one for later, but there was TJ yes, Friedel. Who with, had hilarious expected statistics. Yeah, I, that's why I, could, like, <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't even it. pretend. Yeah. I, I tried, I also tried with TJ Friedel. Yeah. And yeah. just, hold on, let me, let me pull it up because he definitely, I think he leads the NL in weighted runs created plus. Yeah. Since August 25th, he has 283 weighted runs created plus. That's second only to Aaron yeah. Judge at 284. But his expected uh, slugging is 390 points lower than his actual slugging during this time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I noticed, like I was looking at, yeah. He had an, he had an exit velo below 80 miles an hour. Yep. Yep. Yep, I, and I was like, I mean, I wish, I wish I could make this work, but it's not like I can't pretend that we had the same thought because I also tried, and I was like, I can't do it. Yep, right. Um, for other fallen Reds uh, soldiers, there were, uh, there were, um, this was a guy who, um, a couple, like maybe three weeks ago, four weeks ago, Jake Fraley was having a great stretch. Yeah. And then he went 0 for 4 the night before we recorded. And I was like, well, I can't, you know, the stats aren't <laughs> the same. And then he just slumped from there on out. And yeah. I was like, damn, I lost one. We also definitely missed out on Brandon Drury as well. We did. We Which, did, definitely. Our apologies, Reds fans, but I promise you I got you with Nicoladolo because he definitely got upstaged by a lot of other prospects that debuted at the beginning of the season, one of them being his teammate Hunter Green, who obviously yeah. got a lot more attention because of his fastball. But Nick Lodolo's pitched very well over his last four, and even his last eight starts as well, um, which has been excellent. And he, uh, he he's also just coming back from an injury a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. So there's a reason to watch in the future for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Lodolo was definitely like a – was he a top 50 prospect? Something like that. He was a he was like a top 10 pick in the draft whenever he was taken. Um, I'll look that up real quick. Um, but, yeah, I know he was in the prospects list. Oh, I he very for, much was, yeah. yeah. I, I want to see he was like 30s. Um, yeah. He um, was f- seventh overall in the 2019 draft. According to, yeah, pre-2022 on MLB.com, he was number 42 in baseball. Um, 
prospect-wise. Baseball yeah. prospectus number 42. Baseball America, he was rated highest. Uh, according to Baseball America rankings before this season, he was number 36 in baseball as yeah. a prospect. Um, and, uh, yeah, working out. I mean, it's not just Hunter Green um, who's coming up for the Reds. <clears throat> who, uh, one of the interesting things, staff. one of the interesting things too, is that he's like, he has much better splits at home than on the road. Yeah. Which is, you'd expect to be the other way around given the way Cincinnati is. Oh yeah. What, uh, with clarification, the game day zone 12, was that up and away on righties or up and away on righties up and into lefties? See, I think, um, I think that could work because sometimes, because the sinkers have a lot of, uh, sometimes have a lot of horizontal movement yes and it especially sink, as a lefty a sinker goes away from a righty and in on a lefty so i mean mm. and you, you mentioned uh he's thrown more of them than anyone else in the majors you mentioned there's a, a high c- concentration of batted balls with like a, a launch angle above 45 degrees so mm-hmm. that could that could cause a lot of pop-ups if you're jamming lefties and exactly going away from righties um and and if you're if and if it's a, it's a sinker, so he's also giving up a lot on the ground as well. Yeah, and if you're jamming guys, uh, that's a good thing in in Great American Ballpark. Um, if if you can keep the ball away from the fence. So, um, so yeah, on to my how about that. Um, this is this is, you know, I'll also you've mentioned this guy several times, but I'm gonna talk about him. Uh, talking about George Kirby. Okay, thank you, because I was going to if you didn't next episode. Yeah, George Kirby, um, I mean, unreal uh, for different reasons. In his last 10 starts, he's a 2.22 ERA. But hear this. In his last 10 starts, a 1.40 FIP. No home runs given up, I In believe. 52 and two-thirds innings pitch. Out of 96 pitchers with 50-plus innings pitch, his ERA ranks 11th, and his FIP ranks 1st. In the span, he has not allowed a home run, as you just mentioned. Um, out of 145 pitchers with 100-plus batted balls in the span, his expected WOBA against is fourth lowest. So fourth lowest out of 145. The guys ahead of him in the span uh, are Spencer Strider, Justin Verlander, and Clayton Kershaw. You know, Strider's uh, NL Rookie of the Year favorite. Justin Verlander, potential AL Cy Young, and Clayton Kershaw. Um, always great uh, and still great. Uh his average exit velocity has gone from 90.4 miles per hour before the span to 87.2 miles per hour in the span, 3.2 mile per hour drop. His strikeout rate has gone from 22% to 28%. Uh, probably most importantly and most notably and relates to the drop in home run allowance. His barrel rate has gone from 11.9% down to 4.8%. Big deal for George Kirby. Uh, that barrel rate is sec- uh, 22nd lowest out of 145 in the span. Also, his line drive rate in the span is down to 17.9%. League average is about 25%, and he's at 17.9%. That is s- the sixth lowest line drive rate out of 145. Uh, and now we get into the historic angle of George Kirby, which you can definitely go with. Uh, there are two pitchers in baseball history to have... 10 game spans at 25 years old or younger with 60 plus strikeouts, seven or fewer walks and no home runs allowed. They are George Kirby and Walter Johnson. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. So, uh, that, that, so that means he's the only guy to do it in the live ball era also. And also as it stands now, overall, he has the highest strikeout to walk ratio 
for a rookie with a hundred plus innings pitch since 1884, uh, classic year. George Kirby. How about that? Yeah, that guy has to get rookie of the year votes. Like he's got to be a finalist. Honestly, you could probably make a case he's top two, maybe even top one. Yeah, that's true. I've I've uh, forgotten what that uh, race looks like. Well, it's Julio Adley, Stephen Kwan. Yep. Those and then George Kirby. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk all day about Julio and uh, Adley, but I mean Kirby is. Yeah. Poor Stephen Kwan. Like Guardians fans have been trying to make a case for him along with the other two, and like I kind of see it because he's one of the best left fielders in the game, especially considering his defense. Right. Uh, like he has a he's he's a a B war of four this year. Um. Yeah. Stephen yeah. Kwan. I mean, yeah, B-Ward does love uh, defense. Yeah. Like, he's been solid. It's a shame that he has to be in this rookie class because he probably could have been a, at a better rookie of the year ranking in any other year. Yeah. Shout, yeah. Shout out to you for having him as a yes, uh, one of my best player to watch. I'm pretty proud of my players to watch this year Yeah, as I'm, a whole. I've done uh, – I've looked at mine and not, not a lot of flops, but not a lot of hits. They're all I have doing... one major flop that I want to go back and punch myself for. Oh. I'm not going to say who it is. Yeah. But... We, we reveal our our best flops or biggest flops and best yeah. hits. Uh, usually the episode after the World Series. My biggest hit might be Harold Ramirez, True. which is very funny. Yeah. Like, he, he doesn't qualify, but if he qualified, he would be the major league leader in batting average right now. It's also his birthday. Right. Right. Happy birthday. He's hitting 327 with an 803 OPS. Yeah. Most of mine are like, I, I guess the best example I can use is like, um, I'm just going to see if his numbers are still the way they are. Um, or yeah, it, it, most of them are like, most of mine are like Nick Prado. So Nick Prado, I had as a, as a player to watch. He, as a rookie, has a 99 OPS plus this year. But also, he had a really tough start. You, so, like, 99 OPS plus, you can't say that is a flop, but you also can't say that's a hit. That's most of my players to watch this year. <laughs> but it's better than last year. I had I had, to, I had some really bad you had, players You had a tough to one. Um, the Royals, by the way, like, they're so young. Yes. It's insane. Like, yeah. Nick Prado, MJ Melendez, Vinny Pasquantino. Brady uh, Singer. Brady Singer, Michael Massey, who's yeah. come up recently and done pretty well for them. They have so many young guys, which is very cool, objectively. Yeah. You like to see it. You like to see it. So now we go from the uh, highs to the lows, where we are talking players or subjects that have been underperforming with our uh, Tuesday, September Ooh. 6th. And also, by the way, all these stats are as of the end of the September 5th games, if you're listening later, because I know we're recording a little later in the day. Yeah. But now it is time for our Tuesday, September 6th, 2022 edition of... Slightly alarming. Just real quick before you say it, uh, Nick Prado in his last 10 games has a 1,000 OPS. Nice. Yeah. Um, he also has a very satisfying slash line. He has a 333 OBP and a 667 slugging. <laughs> yep, yep. Nice, good old math. Yeah. Um... So who do you got for slightly alarming? So uh, we talked about Aaron Judge pretty often in yep. the show. Uh, unfortunately, in this segment, I'm talking about his counterpart. I'm talking about John Carlos Stanton, mm. who has struggled mightily ever since he came off the IL on August 25th. He is slashing 105, 209, 105 for a 314 OPS and a negative two weighted runs created plus. 
his radial chart, which shows his batted balls in accordance with launch angle and bat and exit velocity, it is a disaster. If you look at it, like I looked at it and almost threw up today. It was so <laughs> ridiculous. Twenty point seven percent of his batted balls over the span have a launch angle over sixty four degrees. That's that's that that cuts out some pop ups also. Yes. That ranks second highest, unbelievably, it's Austin Hayes had more. Wow. Second highest among the one hundred eight hitters with at least twenty five batted balls and at least one of said batted balls because to show up on the savant search chart you have to at least have one of whatever the search is. Additionally, his sweet spot percentage during the span is thirteen point eight percent. That ranks second lowest among the 155 hitters with at least 25 batted balls. And during the span, he has one batted ball. He has 26 batted balls total. One batted ball with a launch angle between 9 and 23 degrees. Yeah. And it was, and the one he had was 10 degrees and had a, a exit velocity of 51 miles an hour. Yeah. I'm assuming it was an out. or like It a, was a ground out. Yeah. Yes, very soft ground out. Uh, his pop-up rate throughout August and September of this year are the highest of any month in his career. And it's a small sample size because he only came off the IL on August 25th and didn't play before uh, since July 23rd before then. But he's popping the ball up at probably the worst rate of his career right now. And that dates back to 2010. And also his fly ball rates are at a low point in any month throughout his career. Speaking of which, his fly ball rate during the span is 6.9%, tied with C.J. Abrams for dead last among the 155 hitters with at least 25 batted balls. If you know John Carlos Stanton, you know that he's a guy that hits monster home runs. He's an exit velocity machine. You can't have that guy hitting uh, fly balls at a 6.9% clip. My gut says he's probably still hurt in some way because there's just no way this is the player that he's become right now yeah. while fully healthy. Uh, but it's not been helping the Yankees at all. Yeah, Giancarlo Stanton. Slightly alarming. Um, and yeah, it's not like he's not hitting the ball in the air. It's just yeah. he's hitting the ball way too high in the air. Mm-hmm. It's not working out for him. Um, yeah, I, I for, a, for, a, for a couple seconds there, you had me worried because – how you how you were talking about how you were previewing your player like you know i just figured it was going to be my player my heart sank my eyes lowered and i was ready to hear i was ready to hear uh my player to be selected but it's a different yankee uh my my player is a different yankee so sorry to trash the yankees today but it's just that's that's how your lineup's been without aaron judge uh it's it's a different player in that yankees lineup also uh inside info on my F4 team. It's DJ LeMayhew. Mm-hmm. It's been very noticeable <laughs> how bad he's been doing if you just look at any span over the last month uh, where he ranks. DJ LeMayhew, in his last 20 games, he's hitting 128 with a 307 OPS. In this span, out of 179 qualifiers, his average on base percentage and slugging all rank dead last. He does not have a single extra base hit in his last 21 games, which is 90 plate appearances of zero extra base hits, uh, and he does not have a barrel in his last 45 batted balls. Um, and then along with that, his strikeout and walk numbers have just taken a big turn for the worse. His strikeout rate has gone from 12% to 20%. His walk rate has gone from 14% down to 6%. So then if you combine that into strikeout minus walk rate, which is really only used for pitchers, but if you do it from a hitter's perspective. LeMahieu's strikeout minus walk rate has gone from negative 2% to 14% uh, 
uh, over this 20-game uh, span. And his whiff rate has gone from 15% to 20%, and most notably his chase rate has gone from 23% to 30%, uh, which you know signifies why he's getting more strikeouts, taking less walks. And then uh, when you go by individual pitchers, you can't really single one out. He's been so bad on every single pitch. He's slugging 158 or lower on every type of pitch that has ended more than one at bat in this span. So that's sinkers, four seamers, sliders, curveballs, uh, change-ups, splitters, I think. He's slugging 158 or lower on every single one of those uh, in the last 20 games. So, uh, DJ LeMayhew. Slightly alarming. That is a yikes. And uh, pretty- How much money are both of them between Stan and LeMayhew getting paid this year? I'd say 45 Stanton's uh, like thirty million a year. Lemayhew's uh fifteen million a year. Yeah, let me check that real quick. Lemayhew is getting fifteen mil this year. Stanton is getting twenty nine mil. So that's forty four million dollars to yeah. two players that have not had an extra base hit over these spans. Yeah, and you know to their credit, they were doing well up to this point, but but it's it's looked very bad, and there it's a reason why the that division lead has gone from what like thirteen down to five. Uh, four, 15 and a half down to five. 15 and a half down At to five. At one point down to four. Um, yeah, right. It's, uh, yeah. And, uh, but Aaron Judge, <laughs> he's keeping them afloat. Keeping them afloat. So, yeah, that does it for players to highlight. Now we'll get into the preview of the week ahead. Uh, I'll be doing series to watch. Daniel will be looking at the day by day matchups. Uh, some of these series, or many of these series have started already. Um, but in terms of series to watch, just taking a quick glance, um, I mean, uh, one that started yesterday, and there were actually two games yesterday, was uh, uh, Orioles-Blue Jays. Uh, Blue Jays helped themselves. They uh, swept the Orioles in the doubleheader. They gained two and a half, or they, or they gained two games in the wild card race. Baltimore is now four and a half out of that race, so um, Orioles need to uh, need to take some games in that to stay in the race for sure. Um, or the Blue Jays could kind of kill it. Um, yeah. Unless, unless of course, you know the Rays fall off a little bit in their series because they're close with the Blue Jays. But other than that, I mean, um, really, just I would I would more just focus on the teams contending for spots. I mean, I know it's not a high profile series, but take a look at Royals uh, guardians. The guardians lead in the AL central is, is one game right now. So, I mean, every game that the guardians are going to be playing from here on out are going to be crucial. Um, so even if that's a Royal series at Kauffman stadium, uh, it's something to watch. Uh, the guardians took the opener and extras last night, I believe. Right. Yeah. So, so watching that one big for them. Um, Whoever wins the AL Central is going to be the worst division winner since, since the 2005 Padres. Yeah, 05 Padres or or uh 06 Cardinals, but they won the World Series. They won series. the World Series, so that doesn't really count. Yeah, so maybe 05 Padres. The team that won 82 and 80, I think. Um yeah. Uh what the Cardinals? No, the 05 Padres. Oh, I didn't yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, if I'm doing the math here, I believe, yeah, the Guardians hold the lead and they're on pace for 84 wins. Um, cool. So yeah, 
uh, it would be it would be the worst one in uh, in a little bit. Uh, who do you what do you have for the day by day matchups? So tonight on Tuesday, most of these are probably going to be done by the time you're listening. But on Tuesday, you got Taiwan Walker versus Mitch Keller in Mets Pirates at PNC Park. You have Jesus Lazardo and Aaron Nola going in Marlins Phillies at Citizens Bank Park. You have Wade Miley going for the Cubs against the Reds, his former team at Wrigley. You have Jose Quintana going for the Cardinals against the Nationals in Bush Stadium. Looks like Pujols will not be facing a lefty as a starter tonight. That's very unfortunate because Paulo Espino is pitching. Shane Bieber will be facing the Royals for the Guardians tonight. I will probably be watching that one in some fashion. Framber Valdez will be facing the Rangers for the Astros. I believe it's their last matchup with each other. Uh, or at least this series will be the last matchup. Brandon Woodruff will be pitching against the Rockies at Coors Field. For the Brewers, he'll be facing Chad Cool. Eduardo Rodriguez will be pitching for the Tigers against the Angels in Angels Stadium. Kyle Wright and Cole Irvin will be facing each other in Braves A's, the classic matchup that everyone's been anticipating this year. Yeah. In a league match that we don't the, get to see uh, very often. It's the Tim Tim Hudson classic. <laughs> exactly. You have Johnny Cueto and Logan Gilbert facing each other in White Sox Mariners. Tyler Anderson pitching tonight for the Dodgers against the Giants. And matchup of the night comes from Diamondbacks Padres. You got Merrill Kelly versus Joe Musgrove. Yeah, two names were like if you said that a couple years ago, you'd get a you'd get a what? You'd get a raised eyebrow, but but yeah, that's a pretty Weird solid matchup. Cubs Pirates matchup. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They face each other all the time. Why do we care? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Not a lot is announced for Wednesday, um, but I believe Joe Ryan and Garrett Cole will possibly be facing each other at some point. Nice. Very funny. So the Yankees-Twins game was postponed tonight, so uh, MLB.com currently has it as a 3.05 start and a 3.10 start in the doubleheader. <laughs> Rob Manfred just loves that pace of play where the game's going to last two and a half minutes. Yeah, or they overlap. They they find some. They do like the, the split, split squad, squad yeah, yeah, like in spring training. <laughs> they find another stadium. Like Mets are probably on the road. They'll got the whole 40-man roster available for both teams <laughs> yep. today. They're gonna, yeah. yeah, they'll find some high school field in St. Paul. They got to call Lucas Litke over to the other stadium because they need him in that other game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Eric Lauer versus Kyle Freeland in Brewers-Rockies at Coors. Spencer Strider versus Ken Waldachuk in Braves-A's. Waldachuk is one of the A's top prospects uh, that they have gotten to trade. This is very cool. Patrick Sandoval, uh, in 33 plate appearances against the Tigers in his career, has a 137 x Woba against. Yeah. That's like extremely blue for on the, Baseball Savant. For the, for reference, the average expected Woba would be... At like least three, twice that. 320. Yeah. yeah. Probably maybe even three times that. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Uh, he'll be facing the Tigers Wednesday. So if you want to... If you're a betting man, I would say... Bet the over on anything Patrick Sandoval that benefits him. Yep. Luis Castillo will be facing the White Sox for the Mariners on Wednesday. Jeffrey Springs will be facing the Red Sox in Tampa. Yeah. Uh, Trevor Rogers and Bailey Falter will be facing each other in Marlins Phillies. Falter has uh, done pretty well with run prevention his last couple times out. Alec Manoa and Dean Kramer will be facing each other in Blue Jays Orioles. And Jordan Montgomery will be facing the Nationals for the Cardinals. He's been very good since the trade. Christian Javier will be facing the Rangers for the Astros in Minute Maid. Hugh Darvish will be facing the Diamondbacks for the Padres. And matchup of the night comes from Giants-Dodgers. You got Alex Cobb versus Clayton Kershaw. 
Yeah, yeah. Because how can you not, right? Yeah, it's 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 Dodgers Giants. <laughs> Nothing is announced for Thursday. There's like there's not many games. The only like full matchups that are announced are Josiah Gray versus Adam Wainwright, Luis Sessa versus Adrian Sampson. Uh, I guess I'll just go ahead and call matchup of the night Sandy Alcantara versus Kyle Gibson in Marlins Phillies. Yeah, yeah, bet. that's really all I can tell you for uh, for Thursday. Yeah, it is weird that the uh, there's a lot of TBD action. Maybe it's because of this rain in the Northeast. There's some postponed games. We don't yeah. know exactly what's going on. I don't either. Yeah, you know, probable schmobables. Exactly. Um, so that's pretty much all I got, really. Yeah, so that should do it for this installment of Above Replacement Radio. Always good to get back in person on the equipment, on the proper equipment. New energy, new excitement, and uh, we got the playoffs about a month away, so we love that. Yes, we do. Um, we hope you enjoyed this one. If you want to follow us on social media, follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Gianta. Follow Daniel on both Twitter and Instagram at Daniel underscore Kern, and follow the show Instagram at Above Replacement Radio for all the show needs. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this one, and uh, we hope to see you. Uh, later this week, where we will be talking all the happenings in Major League Baseball once again. See you then. This conversation. This conversation is over. Is over. <laughs>